Thank you. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, our own O-Ray. Okay. Thank you for all coming out for me tonight. That was a joke, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Ori. I'm a compulsive reader. So interesting, like, I go back my shares and I can't really listen to myself but my whole journey is documented here like I've done what three shares in this three shares here in this recovery and somebody said to me uh, just the other day they were like man I listen to your podcast all the time the way you laid out the steps And uh, it just reminded me, you know, I'm helping people. I think that's where my life today, I'm of help like I've never been of help before. Like I help people with their lives. You know, and, and all I have is my this little experience that I have, you know. This recovery that I have is my greatest asset. It talks about that in the big book. And here it is, something that was devastating and caused just an unmeasurable amount of pain has become something to help people with their lives. That's incredible. Like, that is incredible. And today... I'm a better brother, I'm a better son, I'm a better employee, I'm a better everything because of the work that I've done here in the grace of God. You know, today my plan was to... um, I was going to do some gardening because uh, my front yard, they, they did a, a half job on the landscaping and there's weeds growing up through the through the landscaping and my intention today was to get up early and uh, and knock that out because it's looking really bad and my sister, she came into town yesterday and it started that way and then the day unfolded where me, my brother, my sister, and my great niece, I have a great niece now. We went to the beach and uh, we exercised together. We hung out together. And it was a beautiful experience. It was a beautiful experience. And I didn't intend the day to go that way. And. You know, here it is. I have this this new this new life form, and, and you know the new part of the family, and we're all hanging out and just 
enjoying Venice Beach together. I bring that up because in the disease, I couldn't, I couldn't, do, I couldn't show up for family. In my darkest moments, when I was 485 pounds, I told my sister to stop calling me when there were events. I just because it was too painful because I, I knew I wasn't going to show up. So I just and it it was I remember that moment where I told her, look, just you know, don't, don't just don't even let me know. Because I'm not going to show up. And look where I'm at now. And what's more amazing is that just how much life that gives me, how much that fulfills me, just doing this simple thing of hanging out with my family. I highlight that because I've ch I've been you know my whole life has been chasing the thing that's going to give me fulfillment that's going to give me meaning that's going to give me that something that's going to give me life inside and nothing out here is just like you know I, I chased at one time I wanted to be a rich rap superstar producer. You know, the food, drugs, whatever it was, something just to make me feel okay. And none of that stuff worked. The grace is that I stopped running. It took to 36. It took to 36 to get the recovery that I have today. I've been in and out of, I mean, I've been in and out. And, you know, I'm the, I'm, a, I'm the type of relapser where I disappear into the bunkers of Afghanistan. I don't, I don't keep showing up. You won't see me for years. And I did that dance for a long time. You know, one foot in, one foot out. And I have moments, where, uh, moments of so-called so abstinence, but nothing like the recovery that I have today. And I'm glad I stopped fighting. It took me to 36 to stop fighting. It took me to, you know, to get to 485 pounds to stop fighting. And I'm so grateful that I stopped fighting. I was reading with a sponsee the other day, um, and there's a solution where it talks about, you know, many would enjoy the opportunity that we've been, like the opportunity we've been given, the opportunity like, my recovery is an opportunity. For so long, I thought it was a burden. Because it prevented me from doing what I want to do in life. It took me to 36 to finally see, oh, this is, like, to, to experience, oh, this is an opportunity. This thing that I have is precious. And I work, you know, I work with a lot of people. I've worked with a lot of people in the six years, and and I've seen a lot of people, and you know, I've known a lot of people in my whole ex my experience in a way. And not everybody gets it. Not everybody gets it, man. Some people get it and then lose it. Sometimes, you know, I went through a period. I went through a period in my recovery where I felt like I had survivor's guilt. I felt like survivor's guilt. 
because so many people were reaching out to me like, Ori, you know, the doc, he, he, he says, you know, so many people reach out to the doctor in desperate, desperate appeal, you know, I want to stop, but I cannot, you know, I, I've dealt with so many people like that. They just, and I, and I can't, I can't produce the essential experience that they need. And I want it for them so bad and they want it so bad and, and they can't, and it, you know, it's just like, fuck. Oh man, I wasn't supposed to cuss on that. We'll, we'll edit that. But it's hard. It's hard to see that. Like what, what, it, what's so, spe- what's special about me? Like, why did I, and, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I want to bottle it up and get, like, I want to be able to produce that for somebody, but I couldn't produce it for myself. I like to think that I'm pretty clever, I'm intelligent. I like to think that I have charisma um, and a little bit of swagger. <laughs> but none of that is, none of that is enough to, 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 for somebody to, for that thing to happen. That, that, that thing that happened for me. Oh, man. I love. I've known I've known her for a long time, and I've I've respected her experience for a long time. That thing happened for you too. And we came in with we came in with people, and you're still around, and they're not. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I continue to do these things that I do. I don't. You know, I'm at that point now where it's like the the being 485 pounds doesn't motivate me. Like, you know, it's like that was a long time away. You know, a long time ago, like almost six years. I'm approaching six years in July. That doesn't motivate me like it once did. Um, Like, I know that that's possible. That's always there. Going back is always there. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. If I don't do these spiritual spiritual actions, that's going to happen again. But that doesn't motivate me today like it did at one year. So, you know, and, and I can't claim that it's all me. It's like, it's not all me. There's something that that's happened to me that continues to happen, happen to me where I show up on a daily basis and I take these spiritual actions. Also, and there is a solution and I I can't, I don't want to spend time flipping through. I can find it later, but it talks about, we'll show you what we've done. It show you what we've done, not show you what we what we think. This isn't overeaters' not analysis, right? Like, and I didn't make that up. So I heard that was brilliant. Like, this isn't overeaters' analysis. Like, it's not about. It's like I can think and pontificate on these things all I want, but what what matters is what I do. What I do show you. I have to show somebody what I've done, the actions that I've taken. That that's how the life changes. Is by taking spiritual actions, and the spiritual actions that are take meditation. You know that's a big part of it these days. Meditation and prayer. Why do I do meditation and prayer? Because if I don't do it, the the, the volume in my head, the volume, the chatter in my head. It was about between years two and three where I just ripped, like it was loud. Like ev- it was like everything bothered me. Every person, everything they did. 
everything. It was just, I would sit in meetings. This person's share was like, you're not working it hard enough. And, you know, this thing and, oh, this is not right. And work, I'd be at work. And it was just like, everything was so loud. And that's why I do prayer and meditation. Because that's the only thing that, besides working with another person, that quiets that. Like, it just brings the volume down, brings my bother down. And at six years, I'm still I'm still sensitive. Like, I'm still a sensitive person. Like, you know, <laughs> I love that part of me, too, though. I, that, that's that's actual, that's a, that's a gift, too. You know, but the, I'm still a sensitive person, I'm, you know. Just today, you know, they you'll hear in my podcast, this is this is a thing still going on in six years, like people parking in front of my house. It drives me nuts. Like, why are you parking in front of my house? My house. That's my property. No, actually, that's technically public domain. Like, that's not or a space like that. But in my head, it's still, why are you, you have so many people at your house that you have to park. And it's like, I go through this whole thing. I can't park in front of my house when I want to. And I have a whole driveway. My driveway. Yeah. I forgot to put my driveway can actually park three, three cars, three, four cars. Like why, why do I have to park in front of my house? Because of my pride and my ego, because I feel like they're stepping over me. They don't care about me. They don't care about my needs. My needs don't matter. Me, 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 me. And this is at six years. This is at six years, right? Like, I want to read something. In all these strivings, so many of them well-intentioned, our crippling handicap had been our lack of humility. We had lacked the perspective to see that character building and spiritual values had to come first, and that material satisfactions were not the purpose of living. Quite characteristically, we had gone all out in confusing the ends with the means. Instead of regarding the satisfaction of our material desires as the means by which we could live and function as human beings, we had taken these satisfactions to be the final end and aim of life. Yikes. Like, this is, this is graduate level material, right? Now, because now, now they're talking about all these, all these things that I've worshipped, right? I've worshipped the perfect body. I've worshipped status. I've worshipped power. I've worshipped uh, money. I've worshipped attention and validation from women. I've worked like I've worshipped all these things, and I strove for them. Like that was my my ambition. I had a high level of ambition for these things. Right? I was going. I, that was that's the life that I wanted. And the more that I strove for them, the more they, the further they got away, the and and the more unhappy I was. Like I was always trying to get away from this moment right now because I felt like 
this just terrible sense of just being not good enough. Life is not good enough right now as it is. I'm miserable in this life right now, so I need to go chase that life. I, maybe it's the money. Maybe it's the women. Maybe it's the body. Maybe it's the I'm just striving for these things. Thing, thing. And then they're telling me, oh, no, hey, guess what? None of that matters. It's nothing wrong with those things. It's nothing wrong with having it, but it really doesn't matter. What's really important is spiritual values. Oh, it's nothing sexy about that. Our culture doesn't even. Our culture, like we live in a world that who who grows up and it's like you know. I want to be, I want to be a man with spiritual values. Like, what the? I didn't grow up in a household like that. Spiritual values, the purpose of living. That's like these, these, these pursuits that I have aren't the purpose of living. I'm like right now. I'm walking through. I'm unraveling some of that right now. I'm still unraveling this story that I have that I need to be. You know, I need to have a certain body. Well, why do I need to have a certain body? Because, well, I want to be attractive. I want to be desirable because I don't think I'm attractive. I don't think I'm desirable. And that's the only way that I'm going to get all these women is if I have the right body. I got to look right. And it's like, you know, I got to be a certain type of man. I got to read books about how to, you know, get the women. And, you know, it's like, it's like, crash. What does all that have to do with God? What does that have to do with faith? They talk about faith has to work in and through me 24 hours a day. Like, what does that have to do with faith? All these all these strivings that I have, all these schemes and designs I have to to, to wrest satisfaction out of life and try to, to just try to get some type of modicum of emotional security. Like all these ways that I try to do these things, like what is it? None of it has anything to do with faith. That's the hard. That's the hard part. We there's so much time spent on the food here. Like granted, like it starts at the plate for me. Don't get it. Don't don't get me wrong. Like my sober eating, like it starts at the plate. Like none of this spiritual stuff happens if I'm not if I'm not sober with my food. But once you're sober with the food, once I'm sober with the food, like now, okay, well, how am I get how, how am I get filled? How am I going to get filled? How am I going to find peace? And, and faith is not, you know, I don't know. For, faith for me is this whole idea of trusting God. Like, that's a, it's a simple concept, but it's hard. Man, trusting God. What is that? Trusting God. Trust, trusting God for me feels like sitting at the end of a, it's like jumping off a cliff and hoping to grab the wings of a bird as you fall down, as you fall, Right? Like, that's what faith is to me. And, that, and that, that same feeling I have in my life, right? So going back to, um, like, romantic endeavors, like I'm learning right now. I'm in a position where it's just like, okay, you know what? Let me get off the apps. Let me, get off, let me stop scanning the environment for the right one. Let me, let me just stop. Let me just stop all my strivings and trying to trying to manufacture this experience that I, that I think I'm entitled to, you know, let me just stop. Let me just stop and see. Let me just stop. Stop performing. And focus on what's in front of me and allow God to do, let me allow the power to do what it does. 
and live in that uncertainty. Because I fully exhausted all my mental resources on this this particular thing. Let me just let this go and trust. Same thing with a job. You know, same thing with a job. You know, I want a promotion. I want to move up in my career. And it's like, I got to get this certification. I got to do that. I got to do this. And I get Bro. What happened? You know, I, I can get so caught up in that narrative that I forget about the blessings of today. And it takes me the more the more that I get into it, the further away I get from faith. The further I get away from this power. And it's interesting because here it is. You go back six years ago when I'm 485 pounds. I had no life. It totally annihilated all my dreams. It it annihilated everything. It devastated my life. Like it felt like I woke up and I was in a barren wasteland, scorched earth, nothing, no dreams, no hopes. It was gone. It was gone, all of it. I had nothing. I was waiting to die. The guy in the barn, trapped in a barn, waiting to die. That was me. I was trapped in my house. I couldn't show up to work. I, I, I did, couldn't show up to family. I didn't. I, I, I got to the point where I didn't even want to. I had to go out at night to go get food because I didn't want people to see me. You know, it's just like I had nothing. And then I had this grace experience, a moment where it was just like, you know, I had willingness to do something different and I followed direction and it led to now. Now I have good ideas. Now I have good ideas how my life should go. Now I have good. Now, now I'm a trust in my ideas. Right. What the same? I had the same brain that created that unmanageability. But now today I have good ideas of how things should go. Right. I guess that's that's weird how that works. Right. For us, the process of gaining a new perspective was unbelievably painful. I love that line. I love that line. Because in the first, I want to say the first three years of my recovery, like I wanted to present this image of, yeah, recovery, drink, recover, everybody. Like I was an evangelist in here, you know, trying to win everybody to the, and then it's just like, this shit is painful. I'm walking through pain. I've like within the last year, <laughs> I've walked through more pain than I've ever walked. Like painful experiences, incredible disappointments, incredible disappointments. Like disappointment for me was like, you know what? I'm gonna take my ball and go home, and and I won't show up again to this. I don't want to play no more. That that's that's me at my core. You know. I'm not going to play play anymore. I'm going to go get my food and eat. You know, I'm the guy that will spend $40 at Taco Bell, lay it all out in front of me, and go to town. That that was my bliss. But some of this stuff, recovery is, um, it says it. It's unbelievably painful to... to, to to have a change, this spiritual experience, a change in my personality, a change in my thinking, how I approach life. It was only by repeated humiliations, 
that we are forced to learn something about humility. It was only at the end of a long road, marked by successive defeats and hum humiliations, and the final crushing of our self-sufficiency, that we that that we begin to feel humility as something more than a, con a condition of groveling despair. You know, and, and, and the process is still the same for me. You know, it just takes shorter time now for me to let go. But I still have to wrestle with things and try to, you know, self-will my way through things. Or, you know, sometimes I even use, you know, I'll try to spiritualize my way through something. And, and, and I'll, I'll rely upon self-sufficiency. And it, it, it won't work out. And then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, all right, I get it. I surrender. Oh, oh you can have that. Uh, let me chill. I'm glad my tolerance for bother is starting to get less. And, and, and the bother meaning the bother within me, the calamity within me. The, I, it's like I'm starting to get more um, more sensitive to uh, it's like I just I, don't, I need more. I want peace. I want peace and serenity. Like that drives me now. That motivates me. I don't want to be all, you know, just like I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I used to have a girlfriend who drove like that. It was like, like jeez. And I had a muscle car. She just like ease off. That's not, I don't want to be like that in life. When we have finally admitted without reservation that we are powerless, we're apt to breathe a great sigh of relief saying, well, thank God, that's over. I'll never have to go through that again. Then we learn, often to our consternation, that this is only the first milestone on the new road we are walking. This is the first milestone on the new road we are walking. Yikes. The food is just the beginning. The food is just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Like conduct... Conduct that I could get away with at one year of recovery, I can't get away with today. I can't. Like I'm a, I'm a different. Like I'm a have my operating system is changing. I can't get away with walking into my office now. I just returned back to work. I can't get away with walking into my office and not saying good morning to everybody. I can't conduct myself in that way anymore. That antisocial behavior, that behavior that creates disturbance in my environment, I, that's harmful. That's harmful. I can't alienate people in meetings anymore. Like I, I can't pretend. I can't be superior to you in meetings anymore. I can't. I can't spiritually perform for people anymore. My guys from my men's group, man, they know they know they know my battle with superiority. They know that battle. And I can keep my mouth shut. 
and let somebody have their experience. I can't be a dictator, you know, to sponsees anymore. I can't treat people unkindly anymore. Like that's that's the this is the change, the change that's happening. And it's, and, you know, like none of this I'm doing alone. None of it I'm doing alone. If it wasn't for my brothers in recovery, if it wasn't for my sisters, none of this, I, I can't, I, I can't pretend like it's not a village that's contributed to who I am. Like my recovery, I used to think, you know, when people say, oh, my recovery is... Uh, so I forgot how they said it. It was they would say, "My recovery is as much it is mine as it is yours." And I was like, "Get out of here with that bullshit!" You know, like you know, roll my eyes on that one. But it's true though. Every sponsee, every sponsee that I've worked with has contributed to my recovery. Every brother that I talk to on a daily basis contributes to my recovery and has, helped, and has helped me walk through unbelievably painful experiences. My sponsor, like one of the biggest contributors to my recovery, you know, my whole, my whole, he, he's given me a whole new download, right? That Like this is the path to humility, right? They, and, and for me, humility is having a right-sized view of everything, having a right-sized view of my. And that the, the the new the new journey in humility is having a right-sized view of myself. That that's that's the one that's man. I had an experience just recently, a couple of months ago, that it shattered the way it it, it just shattered me. Like, and and it just brought up just that. I am not good at, like, I am a piece of crap. Like, I'm carrying this thing around in me. It, it's on the surface right now, and it touches everything. Just this idea that I am, everybody else is here, and I am here. Like, I shouldn't even be walking this earth. Like, it's a terrible sense of shame I'm carrying all the time. Like, it, it, it is just, who? I'm glad though. I'm glad that I can I can carry that. I can have that and still show up differently. Like that's one thing that's powerful about this program. But going back to it's what I do: principles before personalities. Meaning, you know, the the, the principles that I'm demonstrating in my life are more important than you know what I think about my personality or what I think about me and this terrible sense of shame that I'm carrying around. And how I'm not good enough, like I still can show up contrary to that. Like that's one thing that is, that's a, that's soldier. Like that's a soldier. I'm carrying around this wound, and I still show up in life. Um, but but again, I'm learning humility in that way too. Like getting a right size view of who I am. And my prayer lately is like God. God help me see myself as you see me, right? Like I've heard this before, and I thought it was corny too, you know. And, and, and that's something that I've been praying. Like I can't trust my, just like I couldn't trust my thinking around food, and I still don't trust my thinking around food to make decisions around. I can't trust my thinking when it comes to the, the, the self appraisal. My self appraisal system is broken. 
is wrecked. So I have to turn that over to God too, and I have to seek, seek, seek new direction in that way. Like, what? I think I'm gonna open it up for questions right now. I can continue to go down this humility rabbit hole, um, but you know, it's it's where I'm at. Um, for the newcomer who's listening, like, what does this all have to do with food? Um, like, you don't have to work. You don't, don't even don't worry about it. Like, first things first. Just get through a day soberly with food, and 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 everything else will be added on as you go through the process. I love this work. I really do. I, you know, it, there's nothing that gives me. Working with another person and helping somebody, helping somebody as they walk through this process is one of the greatest joys in my life. It really is. Like I, I and, and there's somebody probably listening. Like that is corny because you know I, I thought about that too. That like that's you know I used to think like that too. Like that's really corny. That's sad that this is no. But it, it's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful experience, especially when the light clicks and they're having their journey and they're and they're mirroring back your experience. It is amazing to walk somebody through this process and see them heal their lives and develop a relationship with power. Like it's incredible. I couldn't say it before in my recovery, but I loved it. I love this. I love this thing. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I was t- I was plucked out the fire, and it's my responsibility to give it back. My purpose is not to get a 911 Porsche in life. Like that's not the main aim. I do want a 911 Porsche, but that's not the that's not the like right. This is the, the what I'm doing. What I'm doing in life right now is that this is the good stuff. One day I will have that 911 though. All right, I'm gonna open it up for questions. I'm a part of a group of men where, you know, oh, okay, so I made reference to my life shattering a couple of months ago. What do I do um, when life is hard? How do I not go back to the food? How do I stay in recovery? So in my men's group, we it's just like life happens. We talk about this a lot. Life happens and the food doesn't change. And, and and I learned I learned within the first two years it was a, it was like an epiphany where it's there's nothing that justifies no, nothing can happen out here that justifies the 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 desperate and destructive way that I ate like there's nothing that justifies and as I progressed in recovery what I have in here became separate from what's happening out here. It's almost like I'm watching a play happen. 
and I'm just sit, but no matter what, the food doesn't change. No matter what. And, and, and let me not let me not misrepresent myself and say that I get up and I and I have a mantra that says, oh, the food doesn't change no matter what I'm not going to eat today. No, that that was something that's been installed in me. The, the, that's the grace. The grace has installed that in me where nothing. No, this thing in here. Whatever's going on out here. nah. I'm not going back to that. That was installed in me. Yes. Um, what does it mean? Like you said, I mean, this is my first meeting ever, um, and so I'm not really. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, I like you referenced um, like getting through a day like sober with food. Yeah. Um, and like I know how to get through a day sober with, with other programs, but it's like with the food, like you have to eat food every day and. I yes. Like, what does that mean? And like, what does that mean when you can't trust your own thinking? Like, what's good? What's bad? Like, I, okay. So, what does it mean getting through a day sober with food? What does it mean? I can't trust my thoughts around food, mm-hmm. not knowing what's good, bad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm sorry. My share was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like not even. Yeah. So, um, what I would suggest. Um, get with somebody who has recovery here. Hopefully they help you establish a food plan, uh, a sane and sober food plan. That's not, because all my ideas about food, dieting, measurements, I can't trust any of that. So for me, part of my surrender was getting a dietitian that gave me a plan consulting with my sponsor who helped me define what it is was alcoholic foods that that made me want more um if you're not a compulsive reader still having a food plan is helpful because if you're on the starving or purging side um having a guide to how you're gonna how you're gonna eat um and that made in consultation is really helpful so you can stop playing the game in your head of Oh, I'm not going to eat, or I am going to eat, or, you know. Is that helpful? Okay. We can talk more after if you have any other questions. Um, hi, thank you so much. What would, what would you suggest to a sponsor who's having a really hard time staying abstinent? Is there anything? I think, oh, what would I say to a sponsee who's, who's having trouble staying abstinent? Um, I believe some people aren't done. Um, and for, for me, it was helpful to go out and do my research. So some people, um, I, I've never fired anybody, but most people kind of fire themselves um, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm not, um, I don't mind, I don't have a problem with telling somebody, hey, maybe you're not done yet. Maybe you're not done. Maybe you need to do some more eating. So, yeah.